What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. We got a very special episode for you tonight. Eric Garcia Gunderson of USA Today's LeBron Wire and the Associated Press, and formerly Lockdown Blazers, joins us to chat all things pinwheels. Eric, how you doing, dude? Dude, I'm doing good. Happy to be back. Uh, shout out to all the lobsters. Uh, I don't know if you still call the listeners that, but you probably don't. But anyway, that's what we used to call them. Hey, you um, can bring back your own branding. I'm, I'm yeah, cool with that. Yeah, yeah. So, shout out to the lobsters. So anyway, yeah, but we're here. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty crappy season to uh, – pretty shit season, you know, uh, <laughs> the Blazers, to be honest. Let's, uh, yeah, let's hope that right now, as we're recording this, the Blazers lost to the Knicks – uh, last night, you might be listening to this after they lost to the Wizards, and I'm really it, sorry if that happens. Yeah, if that happens, yeah. Well, I mean, it's possible, especially because they have this guy, the what is it, Garrison Matthews, with yeah. one T. Yeah, I had to Google him. I saw him in the box score. I did not know who he was. No, I didn't know who he was either. I, I like, I didn't believe it was a real name. <laughs> yeah. So let's hope this is the nadir of the Blazer season, uh, getting thrashed by the Knicks to begin a road trip. But Eric. I think this is a perfect time to have you on because you are perhaps the most optimistic person that covers the team regularly. Um, I won't remind you of your preseason predictions, but I'll just say you were excited about this team. You thought this roster was going to be really good. So now that things are really bad, can you give me and the listeners some reasons for optimism? Well, I mean, uh, I think the number one reason for optimism is that Yusuf Nurkic appears to be getting closer and closer to potentially coming back at some point. Um, I think that's uh, the most encouraging thing. I mean, uh, I I think Anthony Simons has been playing better. I think that is is a good sign. Yeah, crap game against the Knicks aside, he started to look like someone who was figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. And I think – you know, I think just the whole team had a pretty crappy game against New York, except for Mello. You think uh, they got got by uh, New Year's Eve in New York City? Uh, I think so. I think I think first of all, New York City by uh, by itself is already a challenge, and then to add to it that you're there for New Year's and you've had a tough season, and but you know, uh, yeah, I, I I think that there's there's a possibility there. I mean, I they had their Instagram posts were all very fire. Everyone looked like they had a great time on, on New Year's <laughs> Eve in New York. Well, yeah, I feel like that's more of a joke than an excuse. Um, they just they stunk against the Knicks, even oh, if yeah. even if they were a little hungover. They yeah, that's a game you have to have to have to win considering where they are. So well, and Mitchell Robinson just absolutely ate. Yeah, so I guess is there is there reason for optimism that. You know, the help is on the way and they're getting a little bit better. I think, I guess the other one I would point to is that the bottom of the West is bad. Um, You know, you might, there might be a sub 500 team that makes the playoffs in the West. Do you, when you're looking at that group with the Spurs and the Suns, uh, I guess throw the Pelicans in there too. Do you think the Blazers are, where do you think they sort of stack up against that bottom, that bottom part of the West? I mean, I if I'm if I'm looking at them, I mean, you know, gosh, Memphis is now all of a sudden snuck their way in there by winning a bunch of games, um, and Portland just being terrible, and, and the Spurs <laughs> being bad, and um, you know, and then Oklahoma City is just taking care of business, and they're kind of separating themselves almost. So it's like, and um, they've won seven of ten, and that's good enough to just have like you know be free and clear of that eight that eight seed. 
Yeah, and so, uh, you know, right now, uh, you know, I, I still like, I think, Portland to eventually get it together ahead of those all those Phoenix, Memphis, San Antonio to get a, ahead of them. And then, you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen later on in the season if Oklahoma City um, – you know, keeps this whole thing together or Chris Paul has a hamstring issue or something, you know, that hap you know, that could happen that we can't foresee. Um, you know, maybe there's a, a way that they could climb into seven. But, you know, right now, I mean, I don't I'm not seeing too much uh, you know, especially with last night's loss. I mean, they lost five in a row. Uh, you know, and their depth is just their depth everywhere. Oh, yeah. no, the great optimistic uh, Eric Gunderson is seeing the the weak roster and you, you've you've turned, man. You sound like you're turning. Well, it's just the well, the injuries have made it worse, obviously, but it's like absolutely they have two roster spots that they could sign someone with or two abilities to sign someone with. And they don't have they don't have a backup center now. Yeah, it, it just, is a little bit weird to me that they're not having one. It's, it's like, weird what? to me that they haven't signed a guy to a 10 day contract. Um, I understand that they may be a little bit hesitant to commit long-term to someone because of the tax implications and Yusuf Nurkic, and maybe there's a trade coming oh, where they're going to take back yeah. more players, yada, yada, yada. But a 10-day, it seems like an obvious thing for this particular five-game trip where Scalabissier isn't um, along for the ride. There are tall people who are unemployed out there in the world. Um, if, you know, Joe Kim Noah, who's the name that keeps coming up, but there's, you know, there are other sort of NBA types that are around, Greg Monroe, Tyler Zeller, they're just people who are tall and could probably play nine bad minutes as opposed to short people who are going to play nine bad minutes. Yeah, I mean, shoot, uh, you know, Thomas Robinson's in the G League. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, you, you could get somebody that just gets a rebound and just like, I don't know, it's just like they don't have anybody that's a, like a really good rebounder anywhere other than Whiteside and and you know Melo does a good job at his spot but like but he's not an elite rebounder but he's not an elite rebounder no he like he's a good box out guy but he's not going to be like you know dominating the glass and they just don't have anybody and it's like that's so been the blueprint of this team for uh ever since Dame and CJ were the two main guys right, six, was, basically five or six seasons. Yeah. Now. Yeah. They, yeah. They would be in the top three in defensive rebounding. They finish possessions. They don't force and, turnovers, but they don't yeah. give up second chance points. Yeah. And, and offensive rebounding. They were typically one of the best offensive, even though they don't try to do it. Olshay would put the roster together to have guys that were good at offensive rebounds. Right. And like, because it's just logical. It's like, Hey, we have, we think we have two of the best shooters Let's get them more attempts. And, like, it's very simple. And so it, not having that ability and being a bad defense, offensive and defensive rebounding team on both ends is just, like, I mean, to me, that is, like, one of the biggest killers. Probably is the, like, the biggest killer to me. I mean, they're 26th in defensive rebounding percentage and they're 22nd in offensive rebounding percentage. I believe they were second last year in offensive and – I think top 10. Yeah, they were at one point top five, but I think they slipped out of it by the end of the season. Yeah, they were one of the be best rebounding teams in the NBA all season. Yeah, they were nine. Year. They were nine last year. Yeah, there you go. Basketball reference. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, it, they you've identified their weaknesses. I think there's – even in the, these darkest days, I don't think the season is over, but I think if you had high hopes for this season, you definitely have to sort of recalibrate um, those hopes. Just don't ask Terry Stotts about recalibrating – his uh his... no don't ask him those <laughs> questions i mean yeah and like i mean unfortunately i mean 
I here I think would be my most like optimistic viewpoint if Give I were, it to us. is is they get to seven somehow. There you go. Oklahoma City goes on a slow start or something like that, and you get somebody in two that isn't the Clippers and isn't the Lakers. So the Houston Rockets. Yeah. You get the Houston Rockets. You get the Rockets or the Nuggets or the Jazz, you know. Right, or, right. You know, or or the Mavericks. You know, any of those teams, if I'm Portland and I have Nurk back at the very least, even if Collins isn't back, uh, you know, I, I I think that team and, and, and you know, whatever else happens – you right, know, they're they're, it, they're probably not favored in any of those series, but they're in much better shape if they don't play either of the LA teams. Basically, if they don't play any of the LA teams, they would not be favored, but they would be like a they would be like a team that if you were like gambling and you wanted to get like value on an upset pick, it wouldn't be like that crazy. It, I, I I don't think there again, you go. Now you're getting back to your roots of true optimism is saying yeah. that, that bet on the Blazers in the playoffs when they've lost five in a row. My man, I'm glad we had you on here. Okay, in the second segment, we're, I want to ask you about Hassan Whiteside because he's oh, we just have to talk about him. It's We're right. legally obligated. But before we get there, I want to tell all the listeners out there about my bookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is a place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little, win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants you to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. And if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just enter the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, still chatting here with Eric Gunderson of USA Today's LeBron Wire and the Associated Press and formerly Locked on Blazers. We talked about reasons for Blazer optimism in the first segment. Now we've got to talk about the, the biggest story for the Blazers and also the biggest dude on the team, Hassan Whiteside. He's maybe a good stats, bad team guy. He's maybe being asked to do too much. What's, what's, what is your read on Hassan Whiteside's season? Um, you know, I think he's, I think he's a little too concerned with, um, letting statistics prove his worth instead of doing what, um, is best for the team. I don't think he does that like maliciously. I just don't think that he values it the right way. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, he on this team. I think he's being asked to do too much for sure. Uh, I, you know, they really he's asked to grab every rebound. I mean, even CJ said it after one of the games when uh, I think it was the Golden State game when he had the twenty three rebounds yeah, yeah, and yeah. and uh, CJ said if Whiteside doesn't get the rebound, we don't get it as we've shown. And it was like, wow, like. Like CJ, obviously, this is like a very, you know, subtle CJ indictment of like 
wow, we have we have no ability to get rebounds on this team. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think CJ, I mean not CJ Whiteside, excuse me, is um, yeah, I mean he's he has massive limitations. I mean, he's just, you know, I think he's good in certain, I think he's really good in certain matchups. Um, I thought against the Lakers, he was actually pretty good. Yeah. I thought he was uh, useful in that game. And I thought he was pretty good against, uh, Utah, even though sometimes he gets punked by Rudy Gobert. Yeah. But like, uh, last night got destroyed by Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Just an energy uh, guy just crushed him. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, I, 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 I think, yeah, he was really disruptive in that Laker game. That's the, the one that stands out to me, but yeah, but he's just to- too often not, and it's just it's it's weird because it's he hates it too because he knows it's true. But and all the guys on the team talk about it. It's like it's so obvious when he's not doing it. Yeah, and you can see if you if you're t- not to go like full Bill Simmons on here, and I apologize, um, but you can just watch the Blazers' body language towards him sometimes, and when he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, they they really get on him uh, more so than other players. And I do think it's in part because they he he just has to help he they need so much from him you know so like those lapses you know you have three lapses in six plays that really stands out they have such a thin margin for error and they just don't have any other tall guy to replace him they literally i mean they literally do not have another center on the roster anymore yeah and and listen it's un it's not it's fair or unfair let's let's just call it how it is like the fact that whiteside makes 27 million dollars a year definitely plays a part in the Absolutely. fact that like, you, if, ha, ha, everyone's like, what the fuck? Excuse me. Like, if you have to edit that, but that's like, okay. <laughs> but it's like, but it's like everyone looks and it's like, yo dude, like you're getting paid almost $30 million a year. Like Damon CJ and you fuck up half of every play. Like, and that's just not okay. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, that's mo- another part of it. If like he wasn't getting paid $27 million a year, I don't think it would be as like, Oh, yeah. every time. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you're paid like a star. They expect you to perform like one. And I also just think with other guys, you can, you know, Damon CJ having this incredibly long leash. Carmelo Anthony's been extended a pretty long leash. But there's a lot of other guys in the roster who, if they screw up, if, if Kent Bazemore has has one of those plays and he's pretty much good for one every night where he just dribbles into nowhere and throws the ball away he's getting yanked like he'll sit for a little bit because they actually have another option to kind of do some coaching and with Hassan there's no sort of teaching moment you can't yank him from the game and give him four minutes to kind of get his head right they just have to be mad at him and he has to keep playing and it's it's just a tough situation. I don't, you know, me and you have talked about this off mic. Like, I don't think Hassan Whiteside is is the problem, but I think it's pretty clear this deep into the season that he's not part of the solution. Yeah, that's the very, that's what we know. We, you know, we, we don't know what we don't know, but we definitely know that. I, I think we can definitely say that he's not the solution. He hasn't been the problem, though, either. And I just think, um, unfortunately... Uh, there's going to come a time, I don't know when it's going to happen, but just like, I feel like they're going to have to move him at some point. That's what I was going to ask you. They have to trade him, right? Like, just responsibly, you have to to move him for something. Yeah, and and listen, their their wing situation sucks without Hood. Um, But, you know, um, I think you also have to see what is available in the market for Kent Bazemore's contract as well. Yeah. I, 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 I think that you have to, you have to do right by the franchise and by, you know, obviously they need them right now, 
but you could also get two players that you need because now with all the injuries to Zach, Nurk, Hood, you know, all these guys, it's like they have too many depth issues at all positions. It's yes, like exactly. they need they need wings and they need bigs. So it's like whatever they get, like it just needs to be guys who are better regardless of position. Exactly. They need they honestly, if you trade Whiteside for sort of just two replacement level players, it might be worth it just to have have two uh, two NBA bodies as opposed to one. Like that's I really at this point I almost think that that's the move. It's just like anywhere you can send him. But it's just I don't think it's I think it's going to be tough to trade us on Whiteside. Just because I don't think a lot of teams Without Sweetener, I don't think a lot of teams want the right to re-sign him. That's not a very sexy thing. And heading into this free this free agency crap, I don't think there's a lot of teams that want to get that big expiring deal that's going to let them, you know, overpay for Brandon Ingram or something. You know? No, I know. Yeah, that's that's going to be really uh, an interesting wrinkle. Is that this free agent crop is very. Uh, week and it, you know, by comparison for the last for last year and then in 2021, right? The 20 and that's the thing is that the following year is so sexy that teams are like, eh, well, I'm gonna I, I will cash in my expiring chips at next deadline because next summer is the one I want to be involved in. Yeah, because no one wants to be like you know, like Portland, you know, you know, in 2017 where you know you you know you gave up all your cap space to re-sign all your guys and you have you know you didn't even give yourself a shot at anybody you know what i mean exactly and it was uh, like they were a good team and like they could have they could have actually been a de- that was the year that they really could have been a destination you know they yeah. overachieved they had young parts but they were just so expensive that they took themselves out of the market yeah so anyway um yeah i mean i that's going to be a good question but i mean some team might convince themselves i mean you never know, uh, you know, if if New York or something, right. someone might get involved, or if Cleveland says, "Hey, you know, let's, um, you know, let's get rid of Kevin Love." But yeah, I mean, that's let, the thing. No, if, it's, like Cleveland says, "Let's get rid of Kevin Love," and we we get rid of Whiteside, and we're gonna make a big expiring con or big, uh, you know, massive overpay to a restricted free agent. You right. know, that's like more aligned with you know, Sexton and Garland and that. Totally. Yeah. They're the team that tries to offer $180 million to Brandon Ingram to lure him away from the Pelicans. Yes. So, yeah, I I think that's the, that's the most, that seems like the most likely spot. I I guess there's a scenario where I could see the Blazers taking a risk on Blake Griffin, but Mm -hmm. um, he just doesn't, I mean, there's, there's, just doesn't play very much. Yeah. He doesn't play very much and the health and also the fact that he's, um, you know, Kevin Love has a has a longer history in the league as a shooter. Right. And Blake and I, Griffin is a guy who's basically a giant point guard center. Yeah, and 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 like I would rather have Love who has both been a star, you know, number one option and also been a third option right. on a team. Right. And I, I just think that he has I just think he fits a little bit more. I think a lot of people are, um, especially with, if Nurk is back, um, because, you know, like Nurk is going to be back at some point. Like, yeah, he's going to play this year. I don't know. Like, I don't know if Zach Collins plays again this year, but Nurk yeah. 100% will play again this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the thing. And so it's like, okay, you know, I can see, you know, then then you have love and, and you have to maybe sign someone in with one of those roster spots for a center, if you don't want to trade Bazemore as well and give up all your wings. Right. And so, you know, I, I can see that as well. And then, 
you know, that's a lot more manageable because then you have Love and Nurk and then, you know, Love can also play more backup five and he's a more uh, natural backup five than Tolliver. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. The Kevin Love thing has been rumored to the Blazers for like, seems like eternity. And and now more than ever, we got farther enough down the timeline that now it actually makes real sense. Like now it's something they definitely should do. And for me, I'm hard at this point, I'm hard pressed to be talked out of it. Now there's probably a price that I'd be talked out of, but it's just like, if you're talking about get Kevin Love on the roster and you can get rid of this Hassan Whiteside contract, it's never made more sense. Yeah, it's it's almost yeah, it's almost like the stars are aligning a little bit, kind of like the, uh, um, you know, the roster being so bad at three at like the power forward spot that it was finally time for Mello. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, know, you know, it might and this might just be the moment now where the the injuries and the depth and the contracts and and the timing and the free agent class that's coming along and. And yeah, all that. Everything's working out. Everything's coming up, love, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it, amidst a five-game win streak. I mean, this is just all – I mean, we are just giving you guys all the, the positivity crystals, the this is why we had. This is why we had you on at this exact day, Eric, because Palo we Santo. needed someone with positive energy um, during the darkest days of the season. What I hope yeah. are the darkest days of the season for Blazer fans because yeah. if it gets much worse than this, it's going to be hard to um, to even even joke about the the brighter days. Yeah, it really is just going to take until they get here. But, you know, I mean, they play Washington tomorrow. That's going to be a – I mean, that's going to be a tough game. I mean, every game's a tough game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's uh, let's come back in the third segment and talk a little bit about realistic solutions for now. You know, um, what, what the Blazers can do with who they got in D.C. tomorrow to try to win some games. All right, welcome back. Still past first point guard, still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. We're still chatting with Eric Garcia Gunderson of USA Today's LeBron Wire and the Associated Press. Eric, we've talked trades. Oh. We've talked optimism. What, what, if if you are Terry Stotts, is there new wrinkles or something you would try more of in order to sort of juice, give the Blazers their juice back and uh, and, and try to steal a win against the Wizards? Man, yeah, that's a tough call. One thing I, I, I mean, I'm not a just, I'm just not a big fan right now of the. Um, I don't know how to fix it, but I'm not a big fan of the Tolliver Carmelo, four yeah, five line, oof. four five lineup. Uh, I mean that. Like, listen, I like, I think both of those guys are gonna need to play a lot now yeah. that they they have what they have, but. I mean, maybe you put more Nasir Little minutes with Tolliver or, or you know, and, and you – because it seems like Stotts trusts him to play the five. And, I mean, I, I don't know if you could do Nasir Little and Mello. Like, I, I, I just don't know, I mean, what else they have. I, I mean, I, just trying to find a couple of minutes when Whiteside's not in the game because Whiteside's going to have to play. Yeah, Whiteside. he's got to play 36 minutes, maybe so, more yeah, for them to have a chance. So we're just trying to find some minutes here where they don't have to play together. And I just I'm just not a big fan of the mellow Tolliver four five combination. And oftentimes and I think in the last game it was mellow Tolliver Nasir, which is very difficult, but they don't really have a whole lot of options. I, yeah, I, it's know. not like you can go that far down the bench. Mario Hazonia is hurt right now. Um, yeah, he's I think he's he's been upgraded to probable maybe for the Wizards game. He's been upgraded to something better than out. Um, yeah, maybe trust Gary Trent a little bit more. Yeah, I, you know, maybe maybe that happens. I mean, I I know we we talked about this off off mic before, but 
uh, you know, he has been shooting the three well. Yeah, uh, ever since I made fun of him on press row at that one game for never making a shot, he's put together like, you know, three out of the last five games, he's looked like an NBA player. So um, maybe I should whisper more way up there in section 113. Yeah. I mean, he's 21 for 51 from the three-point oh, line. Oh, you got it queued up. you got it queued up, right, to let I, me know I, that Gary Trent's been playing. I, I just had to. I just had to. I just had to. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Duke. But no, but he, he's also, you know, he's 6'5". He's he's big. I, I, I think, you know, maybe you try going with him more and Simons and you, you know, obviously I'm sure Stotts is telling them this because this is his system. But it's like, you know, it'd be really good to just see these guys just run through the damn set, you know, <laughs> yeah. for just, just like run the damn play. And just like run it and like get some movement going because like you know Washington's one of the best worst defenses excuse me in the league right like you know if they just ran their plays hard and I think a lot of the times like watching the game last night is just they don't they, everyone talks about the ball movement They're, but no bodies are moving either it's yeah just like, they run for that first little action but it's those secondary actions it's a pick you know the Blazers when they were at their best screened off the ball more than any other team in the league now they kind of just switch places off the ball you know yeah we, we yeah. don't see those hard screens to get a guy just to get other defenders engaged and all those things and well think, yeah and, oh ahead. man and i feel sorry and i feel like all the sets are so slow i yeah. feel like you know they're, they're getting to the to the split action on the left side or whatever and it's like it's like they're walking to it every time and it's just like you know like most teams don't play like that and it's just like and these guys are not good enough and they're not talented enough outside of dame and cj right, they got two guys who can do it yeah they have two guys that can go one-on-one and really attack and iso and really are like great players in that style of play but you know the rest of the team is not and so they have to like they have to figure out how to balance that and it's like they really have to run through their plays i think it, it's like you know he kind of reminds me of one guy that they actually missed who I didn't think they would miss that much is Jake Lehman. Yeah. Because he, he actually sprinted when he was, like, running the play. Yeah, he would he would cut hard. I feel like it's it's so funny how um, I think a lot of the Blazers um, expats are kind of having – they're having not great seasons. You know, Lehman's been hurt. He looked okay a little bit, but he's been hurt for – uh, for Minnesota, Chief before he got hurt was having just a dreadful shooting year for mm-hmm. the Magic. Uh, Myers Leonard is playing on a really good team, but he's not putting up numbers and all these things. But you look at each one of them like individually, and you're like, you know, My- Myers could help. M- you know, Chief yeah. Chief could help. Jake Lehman could help. Um, you know, Pat Connaughton could help. Yeah, Pat Connaughton could help. Yeah, Pat Con- Pat Connaughton's doing well uh, with Milwaukee. I mean. Harkless even is doing it yeah. has has a role on a really good Clippers right. He's team. playing he's playing real minutes on on one of the best teams in the league. It's um, you know none of them are putting up these sort of sexy individual numbers where you can say like Neil Blewett, look how well he's playing. But they're like they're useful parts in a lot of different situations. Yeah, no, they they all have been in their respective situations this season, and um, you know it's it's been a really difficult year. I mean, I mean the fact that I mean realistically like these guys have partially been saved because of Carmelo. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's like, it's like it, I, I know that a lot of people will like shake their head and be like, well, but it's, I mean, it's true. I mean, he, he has, he has partially kept this season afloat and, uh, you know, I just, yeah, I mean, they, they need help. And, and I know it's for tax reasons or, or maybe NERC comeback reasons. Right. It's, it's for any number of reasons, but they're, they're keeping this group for whatever reason. 
Yeah, but they, you know, they don't have to break the group up is what I'm saying, you know, if they want to sign someone. But, you know, I guess they're waiting to maybe potentially make a trade and then maybe sign somebody. But it feels like they need someone now. They could on use a someone contract. this week really badly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they need someone who could just like come in and play some minutes, someone that could be in the G League that, you know, God knows who, you know, that just is a center that can eat some rebounds that they can get that would help them i mean i don't know what, what where's where's Tarek black these days i Seriously, mean like if even if if you're just a listener to locked on blazers and you're like 610 you might want to call get, yeah send me a dm i will put you in contact with someone with the blazers we'll get you a 10 day we'll get you out there to uh to uh minnesota you know for the end of the trip yeah i mean i'm trying to think of who else they can get but you know they you know they they got to get somebody i mean they need a body they and really they just do. said and they just sent Moses Brown down to Texas. So now they also don't have another seven-footer. And they're playing uh, – well, not playing. They're going to have uh, Jalen Horde on the on, right. on the roster. But yeah, Moses Brown I'm, didn't look like he was going to be much of a contributor oh, in oh, their oh, defense. No, Moses no, Brown didn't no, look like he was really well, ready to play. I mean, that, that, that was um, – that 52-second that – it was one of the plays of the year. I would put my my right now my sort of Blazers bad plays of the year if I could. Um, the number one always will be number one is Mario Hazonia smoking three layups on one possession. Yeah, the night that Dame scored there. sixty points in a loss. Really, mm-hmm. a really special moment. But Moses Brown giving up a dunk, giving up a three, immediately turning the ball over and giving up another three in fifty fifty two and a half seconds, fifty three yeah. seconds was. Yeah. Um, Real legendary stuff. Yeah, it was honestly on the same level. It reminded me of, um, you know, I, I, I hope that this doesn't, it's not saying that this is what's going to happen with Moses' career and who knows what's going to happen with Moses' career, but it reminded me of um, when Nolan Smith had a minus, had a, had a minus 17 in three minutes. <laughs> it, it like, it, it was on that level of like, wow. Yeah, this is, it was. This is going to be difficult. Yeah, uh, so you, you, listen. You know. Brighter days ahead for Moses and the Blazers, we hope. We hope. We hope. Yeah, we uh, hope. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Oh, um, check out LeBronWire.usatoday.com. Uh, we're you know covering LeBron James and, and the NBA and all that stuff. Um, we, you know, regular stuff. And then also, you know, just check me out on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson, E-R-I-K-G-U-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. Uh, and that's a, me on Twitter. So yeah, check me out. And uh, thanks for having me, Mike. Keep hey, it going. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, as always, you can find me at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. You know, uh, hit me up, mailbag questions or complaints. You know where to find me. Do me a favor. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon.